Okay, so what I'm going to talk a little bit about here is um, faithfulness and endurance. We're kind of stuck in this little track about some character stuff, so we're going to go after that. Faithfulness and endurance, okay? If you want to consistently uh, perform at a high level, you must have a strong personal culture of discipline. A lot of people will do the thing that's easy or convenient for them in a moment to get something, but true character is something that's there whether it's easy or not, it's agreeable or not, it's going to benefit you or not. True character is a principle that's going to be there. The Bible says that if you make a promise or a covenant vow, that you do so to your own hurt. There have been times where I've, I've made promises to people and then the situation had changed or the exchange rate had changed or the options I had been invited to had changed and I have to honor my word that what I made available or what I promised or what I committed to was met. Because a person's worth is actually only as valuable as their integral word. You're like, you know, I've come across some pretty wealthy people in my career, people that have billions of dollars. And those people, it's interesting to me that a lot of people, just because someone's rich, guys, because here's the thing, in the kingdom, in the kingdom it says, and, and to be honest with you, look around the room, every single person in this room is rich. When we put into perspective that I want to say 90 3% of the world earns $2 or less a day, if they're lucky, we are very rich. So it's easy to get stuck in a rut when we're thinking the rich. Okay, so I'm going to talk about the mega rich, which was half a percent of a percent. Okay, so, so that's, that's what we're going to talk about for a second. But I've met a lot of those people, and they will chuck and change and dive and swindle people and burn people to the ground to make another dollar. Okay. See, in the Bible it says that, you know, the blessing of the Lord makes a person rich and adds no sorrow with it, right? So you, at times, as sons and daughters of God, look, I do believe we should all make money in this room. I do believe that we should all get really wealthy because in the right person's hands, like if you gave me a million dollars and said, put it in either, you've got two options, put a million dollars in someone's hands in the kingdom or put a million dollars hands in a drug dealer's or, or someone that's like into perverse lifestyle, some kind of Instagram influencer that just wants to flaunt all kinds of expensive things on people, which one am I going to choose? The kingdom, because they're going to do something with it. Whereas the other, other people that they're just self-consuming and the Bible says that their glory is in their belly and their, and their glory is in their shame, Right? And so they just want to consume. But So sometimes you see people that have a lot of money and that they're very blessed, and we think, oh, they've walked in godly principles. No, that's not true. The Bible also says in Proverbs, do not be envious when you see the sinner prosper, or the wicked man do well. That's what it says. Hello? So here's the deal. If your character can't take you there, it will never keep you there. So that's why I've been going after, if you noticed, honor, I went after honor, 
I went after loyalty, and now we're going to go after endurance and faithfulness, which is also linked to one of the fruits of the Spirit, long-suffering. Character is more important to you than charisma or gift. I would rather that you had 10 portions of character and one portion of gifting. Because with the 10 or the 9 portions of character, I'm assured that you are going to do well, you're going to bless the kingdom, you're going to bless God, and you're going to bless those around you, and you're going to steward well. Okay. So I feel like God's got us on this little character trail right now. Caricature. Okay, so if you want to perform consistently at a high level, you must have a strong personal culture of discipline. Now, why am I talk about, talking about discipline? Because discipline is the determined decision that you will subject yourself to pain and loss in order to uphold integrity and preparation for a desired outcome. You got me? So you have to have the ability to decide, I have decided to follow Jesus no matter what it costs me. If it costs me my life, as it does for thousands of people every month around the world for holding the name of Jesus, then so be it. We become very cushy. Oh, don't say that. We're in Orange County. People don't like that. Then so be it. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the same gospel that put the Jesus that you call Lord on a cross. Okay? The Bible says that, this is what Jesus said. If the world loves you, there might be a big problem. Because if they hate you, they hated me first. No servant is greater than his master. You see? And so when I look at, the, when I look at a lot of church culture, a lot of Christian, modern Christian culture, everyone's trying to appease the world and connect and be relevant. And I'm just like, you are a bunch of syrupy sissies. That's just the truth. There's no apology. I'm not trying to insult anyone, hurt anyone's feelings. That's just a fact. Because we want to water things down and we want to compromise integrity with God in order to make people that never shaped us or breathed life into our nostrils happy with us. Hello. Hello. I'm not trying to hurt anybody. I'm just telling you the truth. I'd be hurting you if I wasn't telling you the truth. Okay. So discipline is this, it's almost a brutal mentality that I'm going to subject myself to honor. And I'm going to subject myself to character. And I'm going to, like for instance, discipline for an athlete looks like getting up at 4 a.m., eating 15 egg whites and going out for a run and then probably vomiting half of them out, pushing up a hill that he was never designed to run up. Hello? That's discipline. Why? Because there's a race coming. And he wants to place in that race. Right? And so discipline will cause you to do things you don't feel like. Oh, he had a special birthday party or there was a wedding over the weekend and I just want to give myself a Monday off. No, discipline won't let you have that off because you made a promise to yourself. See, a lot of people can't keep promises to other people and even to God because they can't keep promises to themselves. You like that, baby? It's the truth. And I need to work on this just as much as anyone. I'm not dogging anyone. I don't want you to come out of here and go, oh, man, it was hot outside, but it was hotter in church. (laughs) 
<laughs> Went from the fat to the fire. Yeah, so, so, so the thing is, is that we actually have to have a level of discipline where, you know, like one of the worst insults that, like if I have delegated someone with responsibility and I come to find out what they've done with that responsibility and they look at me and say, I don't know, it's not my fault. Like, I just want to hide the pastor in a closet because it makes you mad. That's why Jesus told the story about the talents. He was telling you and understanding what delegated authority looks like from his perspective. Because we're so busy, God, it's not fair, God, it's not fair. And he's like, no, I'm the one that privileged you with opportunity. And I entrusted you and your character and decision said, yes. Now you want to hide it. Now you want to say it's too hard. And he comes back to the vineyard, and the two of them have done well, but one of them has been really smart, and he was a grave digger, not a vineyard planter. And he planted his talent and, and didn't grow, right? He buried it. And so that's the, that's the time where you see actually the wrath of God revealed. You can actually see wrath in the nature of Jesus coming out. And he says that servant will be thrown out, and it stops being a parable, and now it's an eternal statement. And they let that one be cast out into eternal darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's Jesus, the loving Lamb of God. You see? And so there has to be this thing where we actually engage character. And for that character to be authentic, we need to discipline ourselves and subject ourselves to routines. Not religion, just routines. If I made a promise, I'll be there. If I told you I was going to be there at 7.30, I'm going to be there at 7.25. Hello? Stuff like that. Because, because in Song of Solomon, Solomon made a really good point. He's talking about the vineyards. And he could have said, you know, it's the droughts that destroy the vineyards. It's the lack of water. He could have said, you know, it's, it's those really strong eastern winds that come through and they bring the locusts and the locusts eat the vineyards. He, he, could have said, he could have said, oh, it's the plague or those little beetles that come through. He didn't. He said it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. That's an interesting thought from a very wise king, isn't it? But you see, little foxes look cute and they're just running through the field and they're just doing their thing. They're not hurting anyone. They just want a couple of grapes. But they're nibbling at the grapes and they're nibbling at the trunks of the grapevine. doesn't look like much, but it's what's tolerated by the vine dresser that contaminates the fruit. It's not the big stuff, because the big stuff, we all recognize Goliath coming across the field, and we want to kill him. But it's the little things that we let slide that cause the overall ruin of what God's trying to build in our life. Because being a good steward is not just saying yes. It's how do I walk from where I am today to where God wants me to be in the future. See, one of the worst things that you can say when you're dieting or you're doing a special program is I'm going to give it two weeks. Because you do give it two weeks. And then on the 15th day, you rest. And by, I mean, by rest, I mean you're down at Krispy Kreme's when it says hot now. Okay. And you take back what the devil stole from you in 14 days and three minutes. 
Do you get what I'm saying though? You, listen, we've all been there, okay? No condemnation. Jesus loves you. <laughs> you, get, you get what I'm saying? And so what we do is we place time frames of how long we'll be faithful. Hello, it's real. Here, let me just, let me take it up a notch. I'll serve at church for three months and see how they treat me. Because after that, I could potentially just become a devil. And then I'll just, I'll just not turn up to church every second week and hopefully no one notices. Because then you, you were being consistent and now you're being unfaithful. Hello, you see what I'm saying? And so what we do is we place this idea unfaithfulness is actually the idea that we still have ownership of our outcome. Unfaithfulness is actually me taking back the life that and the future in my heart that I gave to Jesus when I rolled over and said, Jesus, you're the king. Because faithfulness looks like me serving him no matter what. No matter what happens. See, when I stood up at an altar and I said, for better or for worse... For richer, for poorer, in sickness and health, to death do us part. That was not some cute little nostalgic statement. I vowed a covenant before the king of heaven that I will stand with her no matter what. And three months later, a lot of people forget that. But that is a potent, powerful statement. For better, for worse. What does that mean, for better, for worse? You're sitting there like, I'm... I'm supposed to get, we've got a couple getting married here pretty soon. And like, and it's like, you know, it's like, it makes you think. It's like you're single and you don't have that commitment. You're dating, it's cute. Now we're engaged, that's really cute. But I'm about to tell you, no matter what sickness happens in our family, now sickness we have an answer for in this church, but get my point. No matter what sickness happens, no matter what calamity comes, no matter what financial struggle we walk through, I will stay faithful no matter what. See, we've become a people that have forgotten what discipline looks like in the church. If it's, here, let, 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 let me explain it to you, faithfulness. I'm gonna, the, the way I like to do things when I'm talking about something is I go to the anti-thing of what it is and I break it down so you can see it from the other side because it helps you see it. I gave Jesus my life. I'm so excited. I'm just turning up to everything that's happening right now in church. I'm getting touched. Whoa. Right? Three months later, yeah, it's going pretty good. Not everyone's like calling me still and, you know, I'm just going to take that rejection and run with it. Six months later, I'm just in a a desert season right now. It's really dry. I can barely talk. I can't even get out of bed and I haven't read my Bible in six months. It's probably why I'm in the desert season, but I refuse to admit it because I've got a huge ego. And what happens is, is we change our theology to suit our environment. It's this territory, America is a master of being superficial in the way that we explain what's going on in our life. It's true, it's true. For me, coming from outside, it's even more true because it's so loud to me. 
the beautiful wax on the apple. When I came here, I'm like, these grocery stores are amazing. <laughs> like, how come I never had this fruit? And then people start to warn you, oh, that's not really the apple. That's been in a wax bath. What? And you see all these like amazing cakes and it's like you look over the counter in the bakery department and it's like, oh, there's buckets of stuff that they slop on top of a piece of bread and then they make it look pretty. And then you go over to the salmon section and the salmon in the, in the fish department and you look at salmon like, this is amazing. Look at all the fish. Color added. So it was purple before? And you start to think to yourself, man, this is fake. Everything looks so good, but it's fake. And when you get past the layers, it's kind of ugly. So we've become masters at PRing, public relating ourselves. I'm just really struggling at the moment. What do you mean struggling? Struggling to tie your shoelaces? <laughs> or... Struggling with pornography? Struggling with a chemical addiction? Struggling with unforget? What does that mean? We've become masters, guys, at this. I'm using this as an example. I'm not trying to go down a different bunny trail. We've become masters at diverting people to think that you're still doing awesome when we're not. Okay? Unfaithfulness, what it does is it, it causes us to feel like we can abandon our first love. Unfaithfulness can say, hey, you know, I made that promise, but I've got this reason now because I've been in a hard, dry season. And I just really... And the worst thing that people do when they're, when they're wanting to be unfaithful is they say, yeah, God's just really calling me out of that season. God, God didn't... God is the same yesterday and forever. God doesn't move people around like a schizophrenic on a chessboard. He doesn't. He doesn't do that. See, the thing that I've learned about God, and, and please understand, look, if, if you've got multiple issues in your family with multiple personalities, we'll get that healed too. That's not a big deal. But it doesn't take away from the fact that we're so used to talking about things so nicely that if someone like me comes and speaks real straight about it, we get offended because we're used to just putting so much wax on the apple. <laughs> God, this is what I've learned about God. God doesn't rocket launch people like people think. He doesn't just, I've been elevated and everything's just coming together. No, no. The reality is, is that God just takes you low and slow for a long time. It's like, I don't know why anything's happening with my life. Nothing's happening right now. I just feel like God's forgotten me and everyone in church doesn't value me. And we start building a sales pitch to be unfaithful. I think I'm just being called to the other, the other church across the street. And we build a pitch to move on to the next thing. Faithfulness locks in and doesn't look for an exit strategy. There's not an exit strategy in faithfulness. Okay. So, to do that, because here's the deal. Everything I've said 
doesn't take one cent away from the fact that we all have carnal brains and we all have way too much logic and reasoning. Okay, so when stuff happens and we do feel miserable, dude, don't think for a second, I mentioned last week, don't think for the week before. Pastor Jeff did an awesome job last week, didn't he? Don't think for a second when Moses is 40 years out in the desert after he's been trained to be a king or a general, for 40 years leading sheep, that he didn't have thoughts. That he didn't think, man, my life's just really terrible. I feel like I'm falling apart in sheep poop. I just, you know, I really feel like my purpose is gone. I just really can't see my destiny anymore. I'm just really struggling in this season. Don't think for, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> swallowed that wrong. Don't think for a second that, that he didn't have those struggles in his mind. The problem kicks in, like I was talking about in the transition. You remember I talked about the pebble wall? Everyone remember the pebbles? The problem is, is that we recognize the power of saying something that we don't really believe in that moment. But the opposite is also true when we're in difficult seasons and we start to mumble things. We start to mumble, oh, I'm just really not feeling good about this whole thing. Oh, I just really, and then what happens is, what happens when you mumble something bad? You repeat it. And then you find someone to repeat it to. And then you start to become a mantra. Have you ever, and I'm going to call everyone out, including myself on the carpet right now, have you ever had moments in life where something happened that was either really humiliating or embarrassing for you, or it was really painful for you to walk through? And what you did is you created an explanation for people because you felt embarrassed about it. And then three years later, you have a wake-up moment going, that's not what really happened, but that's what I'm telling everybody. See, when you keep speaking a lie, God gives you over to a strong delusion. It says it in the Bible. They believed the lie, so God gave them over to a strong delusion. True? So what happens is, is that we start to mumble something that end up, ends up becoming a belief system. That's why you've got to mumble the right thing when you're in a cave. You've got to mumble what you know God has said to be true. Now, when you're in the difficult seasons and you've made a covenant... You don't have the right to negotiate, but it doesn't mean that you're not having the occasional crazy thought. We all have crazy thoughts. That's why David said, I, my heart would have failed me unless I'd believed that I'd see the goodness of God in the land of the living. See, he was admitting that there was a lot more that he wanted to say, <laughs> that, that if he had have kept mumbling. Do you remember in, the, chil in the, de the children of Israel in the desert, the Bible says that their murmuring displeased the Lord. It, it's okay. God knew that they weren't comfortable. But the problem is, is they started creatively speaking the wrong thing. And instead of being faithful, they became unfaithful. And they ultimately built a golden cow. True? A golden calf. And they started to worship the gods of Egypt. You see, so unfaithfulness can start with a thought that ends up in a mumble that becomes a mantra that turns into a belief system that causes you to divorce a commitment. Someone getting something here? So faithfulness is a discipline. Let's get that. Oh, I'm just not feeling it. Me neither. But I made a promise. <laughs> Me neither. 
Single people, I just need to get married. Everything will be better than, dude, let me just bring home the chickens to roost in your barn. And you get married, stuff that you didn't think, demons that you didn't think were living in you are going to present themselves. They're going to say, hi, my name is, and you're going to hear this Babylonian name that you didn't even know was there. It's like, dude, they need to write a new book just for me. God didn't know I was that evil. <laughs> What's that? No, I'm not evil. I'm just, I'm just goofing around. It's good to have fun because then while you laugh, you swallow the truth. Okay, so, <laughs> so, so what happens is, is that we sit there looking around. If I could just get married, I'd just be so happy and everything would shift for me. But what happens is, is then you get into that and the person that God has brought into your life has some rough edges, and all you can see is their rough edges, but you don't know that those rough edges are scratching your rough edges, and it's bringing something together. In that moment, you will, awesome, amazing, pilgrim's progress, perfect execution Christian person, will have moments where you think the worst thoughts you're going to feel some terrible things swelling up. On, I'm animating a little bit, but you, you get what I'm saying. I've got an amazing wife. She prepared herself with Jesus. So my, honestly, my marriage has been pretty awesome. But that doesn't mean that it hasn't been difficult in moments. And they're the moments where, see, with marriage counseling, what we do is the first thing when someone comes to me, it's like, Hey, I've really got a crush on that person. I'm like, cool, what has God told you? Because I get that you've got a crush. I've got a crush on pancakes. That's great. <laughs> See, the Bible says, the, the Bible says all, all things are lawful, not all things are beneficial. Hello. Hello. <laughs> so, just have some fun in church today, will you? Just go and laugh yourself into the presence of Jesus. <laughs> so the problem is, is that people have feelings that they commit to rather than convictions that they covenant to. Feelings that they commit to rather than convictions that they covenant to. And so what happens is, as we get down the road, well, we're three years married now. It's got a little bumpy. Maybe I made a mistake. Well, you'd never have that problem if you actually covenanted to God instead of committing to your feelings. Hello. See, and it takes discipline even for the best person that's walked with God and is stable to say, no, the day that I stood before an altar and said, for better, for worse, in sickness and poor, uh, in, sorry, in sickness and health, in richer, for poorer, I got it all messed up, but you get the point. <laughs> Pancakes threw, threw me off. <laughs> little, little short stack. That's awesome. <laughs> Psalms 110. Is it not like the maple syrup that flowed down on the beard of Aaron? <laughs> Sorry, I just need to stop that right now. <laughs> so... so, so so, so what happens is, is we get to this place where we actually start to negotiate with our emotions 
rather than returning to the place where there's solemn vows that we've made. You see, when me and my wife, we were just four months when God said, no, you're moving to America. And I was like, no, but I've got this idea of staying in New Zealand because we have it really sweet. We're making so much money. We are saving more each week than most people make in two, three months. We were doing really well. And we had to leave that. I believe you. That was pretty epic, Whatever, whoever said that. That was great. That was a little Rodney Howard blowout. But we had that, and what happened was is that we said yes to God. And that means that we had to say no to like really stable and quite lush financial situation. And we come here, we've got no money. I remember going out to church, uh, out to dinner with a couple of people from church after one of the first services when we got here. We couldn't even afford French fries. This is the truth. This is 100% the truth. Rich did. We went to the hat. So I didn't even know that place existed. like a little pastrami sandwich place. We couldn't, the sandwiches weren't even on our grid. My faith wasn't at sandwich level. <laughs> My faith was at, oh, Jesus, I just feel terrible because everyone's buying food and I'm not, I, I, I have problems receiving. I had problems receiving. That got delivered. <laughs> not problems, but it's just I like to be generous and I don't ever want, I'm not the kind of person that's going to let anyone know that I've got a problem. And we were, stand, we were there like, oh, we just go sit down and tell people we're fasting. I'm telling you, it's rough. See, it's one thing when you decide to fast. It's a whole other thing when you have to. You've got to be faithful to that. I mean, you can't get out of it. <laughs> so this guy, actually, it was Rich, Jeff's cousin. He, he was like, hey, man, I just want to buy you guys some fries. And you're like, really? <laughs> Luckily, they come in massive portions. Because we both ate like, it was a meal thing. It was a meal that he bought us? Oh, we shared a meal. But we had to come and we had to be faithful when we could have easily stepped into another situation, easily, and said it's too hard. There's just something here that maybe we missed God. No, we didn't miss God. It's just that when God calls you, he often calls you into lack of ease. But everyone's looking for convenient opportunity but actually, God's looking for you to, hey, I've called you. Hey, come out here in a desert for a few years. I've got some special sheep poop for you. <laughs> oh, but I thought I was special. I thought I was the favorite son. You told me I was your favorite. Yeah, sheep poop. <laughs> Over here. Say bye to your family. Bye. Faithfulness is denying your ability to exit a situation because you said yes. And I think that's something that the kingdom screams for on the earth right now because it's missing on the planet. You know it's bad when divorce is just as bad, if not worse than the world, in the church. You know we've forgotten about faithfulness. See, loyalty, I talked about loyalty. Faithfulness is a little different. It's, real, it's like a close cousin. A little too close. <laughs> this is out of control. <laughs> okay, I need, I need to throw some scriptures out. Someone's getting offended for sure. 
Get some scriptures, make some people happy. That's good. So you can be faithful. That's awesome. Okay. Okay, so come with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 24. Matthew, chapter 24. Jesus starts talking about all of these signs of the ends of the age. Matthew 24. He starts talking about, I'm not going to go into it right now. I encourage you to go and read it. Because scripturally, we're in the last days. Okay, it's pretty bumpy out there. I'm not here to say, you know, God told me January 14th, 2020, Jesus come back. That's not what's, that's actually wrong. Yeah, that Jesus, if anyone does, <laughs> oh man. <laughs> this is out of control. <laughs> if anyone does that, that's completely off, Okay. I'm not here to say that, but what I am here to say is that we're in the last days, and I'm getting very drunk. So, Matthew 24, I'm going to try and pull this off. I can make no promises at this point. Matthew 24, verse 12, and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Now, that's an interesting thing that it says that the love of many will grow cold, right? Because lawlessness will abound. (laughs) <laughs> in the Old Testament, God says, he says, you have a heart of stone. And I'll take that, that heart of stone out and I will give you a heart of flesh, right? A stone is a cold object that's become hard. True? A, a, a flesh heart is a warm object that's, that's soft and functional. Now watch this. Babe, you should drink that. (laughs) Now watch this. The love of many will grow cold, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. It says that in the last days, that even if it were possible, the very elect would be deceived. What's the difference between the elect being deceived and the faithful being saved? Discipline and decision to not waver and open up to new doctrine that is now everything's okay and God's cool with that now. Hello? There has to be a discipline in the heart of God's people that says, I, look, and I'm not talking about being staunchly harsh and cold religion. I'm not saying that. I'm not talking about being brutal. I'm talking about when God says stuff, he's not going to change the game plan at the last minute in the last few years. Everything's cool. Let's just invite everyone in. He's not going to do that because he'd have to go back to the beginning and say, I was wrong. Everyone's welcome. Come on, devil. You can come into heaven too. Hello? So God God isn't going to just change that. So in order for the elect to not be deceived, you have to be decided. In order to be authentically decided, you have to be disciplined. That God is the God that doesn't change. That the Ten Commandments are still a requirement from God. Hello? Hello? Shakababa. Pancakes after church. <laughs> Everyone's like, I'll see you at IHOP. <laughs> okay, so um, now I'm going to take you over to Proverbs chapter 10. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 4. <sighs> Faithfulness. Long-suffering. What does long-suffering mean? You know, 
in the very early days when we were here, it was probably about a year, year or so in of us being here, I went over to Pastor Jeff's house to catch up with him. He was staying in a house with a couple of guys, and uh, the other two guys weren't saved, and they're pretty rough around the edges. Good guys, but they're pretty rough around the edges. And I sat down to catch up with um, Jeff. We were just having a hangout and probably going to play some Call of Duty, if I'm completely honest. <laughs> Haven't played that in a long time. Just don't get time these days. But we sat down, and this guy came in, and he introduced himself in a very vulgar manner. And, you know, I said, hi, I'm Andrew. You know, I'm like, what, what's your name? What do you do, man? And he just did some pretty blowing stuff. And so I, I sat out on the porch with him for like a couple of hours. And I just ministered Jesus to him. And he'd been through some pretty crazy stuff. He'd had some pretty bumpy, bu- bumpy stuff in his life. And we've loved him and pursued him for about seven and a half years now. It's in that ballpark. And he just showed up this week. He was like, I've been watching you guys for seven years. He said, I've never gone away because I've had to work weekends. And he said, I just want you to know that you've really impacted me. And he started crying and he said, I just want to be a part of this. Isn't that awesome? See, the thing about faithfulness is it causes you to be dependable. Because people might disappear, but you don't know if someone in four, five, six, seven years, they come back looking for you. If, you're, if you've been unfaithful and left your post, then you'll be a disconnect for them actually getting plugged into the kingdom like they should be. God's looking for us to be in play, faithful, loyal, and long-suffering. Not just hanging out for a good time, not just, oh, it's summer, let's go hang out at that church. It's cool because after, after church we can get to the beach real easy. So it's a great church to be in the summertime. <laughs> and went to go to the church with the hot cocoa. It's much better for us. Pancakes. <laughs> Some of you are getting this. Some of you will get it later. <laughs> oh man, this is awesome. Okay, so this guy, this, this guy, this guy Blaine has been completely impacted because every time, and he's messaged me every time he does, I've responded to him and told him that Jesus loves him, that he's going to make it. And there's, see, there's different elements of this faithfulness, long suffering thing. Because here, can I say this, guys? Loving people into the kingdom, some of it's real easy, some of it's really hard. What if it takes seven years, ten years for you to work with the same person who treats you wrong, abuses you, but one day they cross a line? See, that's the kind of faithfulness God's looking for too. I'm just using the marriage stuff as an example, but it's right across the board. God's looking for us to be faithful to him in the way that we're faithful to each other and the things that he's called us to do. This is what Jesus said. If you don't think it matters, pay attention to what Jesus said. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Now, he didn't say honor them once and then walk away. He said, keep them. Keep is attached to faithful. Does this make sense? Walk in them, hold them, pursue them, maintain them. Faithfulness. Longevity. Okay. Proverbs chapter 10, I'm going to read from verse 4. He who has a slack hand becomes poor. A lazy person is an unfaithful person. 
A lazy person is a person that's looking for everyone else to be faithful to them while they enjoy being lazy. Hello. Now watch this. But the hand of the diligent makes you rich. How do you be diligent? Faithful. A diligent person is a faithful, disciplined person. That's the truth. If you work hard, you will be blessed. As long as you work smart. I've watched a lot of people work hard and dumb. That's not unable to speak. That's just not good with their brain. You've got to think and ask God to give you heavenly strategy so that when you do put effort in, it's effective and productive. Does this make sense? But if we're diligent with that level of commitment, you start to see huge reward in your life. I'm just talking on a practical, on a, let's just talk about your job right now. If you want to get a promotion, you be the person that's more diligent and more faithful than everyone else in your office. Your boss will see it. You won't need to tell them. He or she is going to come to you and sit you down and say, man, you, you're getting the next pay rise. Actually, we've got a promotion coming for you. You should be a Joseph in your, in your place of work. You should be. Because you're a son or daughter of the king. See, right now in the way the world is, the, the character of the kingdom should be shining ten times more than all the lack of character out there. You are not called to match the world. You're called to be better than it. Daniel said, we've been, see, Daniel was captured out of Babylon. He comes into Babylon and they were like, we want you to eat the pork. We want you to eat all this unclean meat. That, you know, and he's like, don't do that to us. He said, just test us for a few days. Watch us. We're going to be better. And he eats the kosher food that God had outlined in the, in the Torah. And they come, the, the, the king's unit comes and checks on him and he sees that they're ten times better than everybody else. That's one of the things, the mandates that we're going to build, a, you watch, we're going to build a, a charter in-house elementary school for our children. Okay, and the, the mandate that I feel God's given me is that we're going to raise up kids that are ten times better. It's not hard in a world that's decidedly peddling downhill. It's not, okay? He who gathers in summer is a wise son, and he who sleeps in harvest causes shame. Blessings are on the head of the righteous. So I, I, I want you guys to understand that diligence and discipline are directly connected with faithfulness and long-suffering. We've got, to, we've got to get rid of the idea that not being faithful is okay. Not that, yeah, that not being faithful is okay and acceptable. That, that creating a great explanation so our immediate friends accept it and we brainwash them with our deception is actually okay with God. Hello? No, it's not okay. We have to get to a place where it's like, see, when Potiphar's wife came after Joseph... Right? You know, you know the story, right? She tried, to, she tried to seduce him. His first statement, this is before the Ten Commandments, okay? So this is relationship with God. This is not legalism. His first statement is, how could I sin against God? He didn't even say, how could I do this against Potiphar? He said, how could I sin against God? Get the level of integrity. Faithfulness is character. Hello? Faithfulness and long-suffering is character. It causes you to do what's right. It causes you 
to say no to opportunity and yes to covenant, even if it causes you a loss. Oh, I just want to go do this thing, but I made a promise. Do you think someone else could do it for me? Well, I don't know. You better ask God. I'm not here to be legalistic, but I am here to say that if we walk in the fear of the Lord, we'll actually start to see greater fruit. Because the fear of the Lord will actually start to govern us that we don't cheaply just tap and opt out of things. Okay? Um, I think I need to wrap up this pretty quick here. We don't want to give pancakes. So I've talked about discipline. Let, let me talk about habit for a second and then I'm going to land. Practically speak, speaking, there is one key contributing factor that has a higher impact on your personal culture than anything else, your habits. Right. Now, I talked a couple of weeks ago, I said that quitting is an addictive sport. Yeah. Quitting's an addictive sport. Once you learn how to quit, it's really hard to unlearn that. And the only way that you can get back into faithfulness if you've learned how to quit is to slam on the brake of reality. Because quitting is a world in which we create a, an alternate reality where everything's going to be work out. Everything, someone else will pick it up. Someone else will fix it. Someone else will just step in and do it. Hello? Quitting is, oh no, there's something else. I, you know what, I don't think I was ever meant to do that anyways. Maybe I made a mistake. Because people struggle with the reality of failure. True? So we create stories, like I mentioned before. Quitting is a habit. It's not an event. Quitting is a habit. It's not an event. Like there's some guys that have counseled in my lifetime. They can't get past three weeks dating a girl. Next, 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 quit. And then they get married, and now it's even easier to get out because they've trained themselves to quit. Does this make sense? So the American culture has an idea that you should just date anyone. Date anyone, everyone, all the time. I would challenge that a little bit. I'm not saying don't date. I'm saying if you really trust God and not yourself, then maybe, just maybe, you could let him speak to you and say, see that person that just walked through the door? That's the one I've made for you. You don't have to go through the Yellow Pages book of 50 different suitors. You can get a handle and figure out how to, how, what you want. Hello. Oh, it's gone real quiet in this charismatic church. Because we learn how to quit. And when we learn how to quit, we learn how to fail. So the message I'm speaking today is actually kind of like that short, sharp stop. It's like that airbag that explodes in your face that you don't want to happen. But the reality is, is that we have to shift out of being... See, one of the worst things that I think that we have in the modern church today is we have people that want to be treated like children at a dining table. There was someone recently, and I may have shared it here, but someone recently, they actually had an encounter where they went to heaven. 
and they were in this massive banqueting hall. And they were looking for Jesus sitting in the throne. Over, they said this, this was the biggest hall they'd ever seen in their life. It, was, it just kept going for like miles, and there was people everywhere eating. They were looking for Jesus sitting on the throne overlooking everyone eating. And finally, someone said, are you looking for Jesus? And they're like, yeah. They're like, oh, come with me. And they walked this person over to the kitchen, and there's Jesus in the butler's outfit. If you want to be great in the kingdom, you've got to be servant of all. We have to shift from a mentality of turning up and saying, what can I get? And making a commitment to faithfulness, saying, how can I be a part? That's why we're launching the the evangelism stuff and different things like that. I think it's important. But, you know, it can't just be something, oh, well, I was doing that for for two, two weeks and I'm just not feeling it anymore. Well, did Jesus tell you to do it or not? Hello, you see, you see what I'm saying? I'm not trying to get anyone, oh, you know, I understand that there's certain times where we need to put things down for a season, but I'm talking about a principle of being integral and faithful where something in here shifts and it's like, no, I made, like here, Pastor Jeff, he's, he's, uh, he had to move just recently and he's actually, he's looking, while he's looking for his new place, he's staying with his family out in Riverside. So every Sunday he drives like 45 minutes each way. Let's say an hour and a, hour and a quarter. Any, you guys know Riverside traffic can be crazy. So let's just say anything from like 40, 50 minutes out to maybe an hour or 20. And he's doing that each way on Sunday. Now, I respect him because has he ever not been here? No. He's got a commitment. And it's not just a commitment to Bex and I. It's a commitment ultimately to God. And the minute we get past, oh, I just, no one's going to notice me. No one's, and, and here's, here's the deal, guys. Everyone in this room can be raised up in this room. But it starts by showing up. <laughs> you know, like, like a lot of the times I'll turn around and be like, oh, we're, oh, they're not here. Oh, next week, oh, they're not here. And then the following week, oh, they're here. And the next week, oh, they're not here. It's not a reflection on me. It doesn't change my life. I go home happy and eat pancakes. It's good. Okay. But I'm looking at consistency because God builds on faithfulness. He looks at you, you consistent, you're faithful. See, Mary, Mary wasn't just in and out every five minutes. Mary, the mother of Jesus, Mary, God looked at her and saw something that was consistent and faithful and steady, and he said, I can plant and entrust with this one. You see, it's about posturing that in your life. Where you say, I'm going to do something, you be that person. It's the, here, let me wrap up by saying this. If God, the faithful and just, is one of his names, right? Faithful and just. That's a pretty awesome way to be known. I'm just and I'm faithful. Never leave you nor forsake you, right? If God wasn't faithful to you, how would you feel? (laughs) If all of a sudden you stepped out of bed tomorrow morning and there wasn't air available because God had forgotten to take care of the air in your part of the world, you'd be upset, true? Everything in your life is a reflection of God's faithfulness to you every day. And so I think that if we truly want to say that we are walking like God and He is our Father, that starts to reflect in the way that we live and we conduct ourselves with others, with bosses, with church, with, with friends, with family, and, with, and personally doing the things that God's called you to do. You know, like, here, I'll close with this. In my single years, I'm not sure if I've mentioned this publicly ever before, but in my single years, I, was, I lived in a really nice bachelor 
a home I shared with one other guy. <clears throat> had a big master bedroom with a big walk-in closet and big walk-in bathroom. It was great. And God, there was this guy that had been struggling with alcoholism and he was a bit smelly and, you know, I had all nice stuff. And he goes to me, God goes to me, see that guy? I want you to ask him to come live in your bedroom. <laughs> Not okay. But it's God. Okay, I've got my feelings, but my feelings don't get to talk. My obedience gets to talk. If I'm truly going to be in covenant with God, and you know what I did? I went up, and I'm not going to mention his name. It was a long time ago, but I'm not going to mention his name. I said, hey, man, um, can I talk to you for a second? And we had a chat. And I had to rearrange my whole bedroom to make that work. And we brought a bed up into my room. And for five months, that man slept five feet from me and snored. And I never asked him to leave. You know why? Because God never told me that. There came a time when he moved on. I never asked him to leave because I believe that faithfulness matters. I'm not committing to this thing for three weeks and then, then getting off it. No, no. Hey, maybe I can control it. No, no. If God told me, then that's exactly what I'm going to do. And we need to get back to this. It's not some sort of macho hype-up thing where it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's not that. Because hype, hype is going to burn. In about 60 seconds, it's gone. You're like, oh, oh, that was stupid. You know? But true faithfulness commits and covenants to the death. That's why I told Anton, like, there's this, there's a, a, I, I grew up reading a lot of, like, comics. There was one particular comic book that I really liked. It was called Commando. It was World War II, like, war stuff. It was, like, awesome. But the, uh, the British, uh, not the British Marines, the British Commandos, which is kind of like your Navy SEALs, maybe a level above, I don't know. I'm not here to make anyone upset. But their, their motto was death before dishonor. Death before dishonor. And I was like, maybe we need to try and figure out how we can implement that into the man up thing. But it might be, it might be a little hardcore. Bex was like, it's a little hardcore. <laughs> it's a little hardcore, honey. But my point is this. That's my point. We need to get back that if we say we're so in love with Jesus, that things like faithfulness are not even a question in our life. Where no one even has to say, man, is that person like ever around? Or are they just kind of around when it's convenient? Yeah. Is that person dependable if we ask them to, or if they say they're going to do something, are they going to be here like in two months? It should, we should be living such a life that when people look at us, they know that no matter what's going on, they can come to me. They can come to you. And that they're going to get help. Right. Or they're going to get something that they can depend on. See, for me as a pastor, it might not come across this way, but we get calls all the time. We get emergencies and people's stuff in life, and that's what we're here for. It's awesome. But in those moments, my life doesn't matter. What I'm going through doesn't matter. I have to be available to help people where they're at. So I don't get to say, oh, could you please call back next week? Hopefully they're still alive. I'm going through some stuff right now. I've committed to be faithful right. <laughs> in season, out of season. Right? And so I, w I would challenge every one of us. I'm not saying drastically try and make something of yourself. I'm saying this. 
Make a decision today that you're going to walk in faithfulness and loyalty, that you're going to have long-suffering. Long-suffering, it's a pretty self-explanatory word. God, give me patience. Yep, patience to suffer long while you stay faithful to what you promised or what God asked you just to walk in. Amen? Okay, let's stand to our feet. That's the close. You can get pancakes now. (laughs) Father, we just thank you that you are challenging us in this season to actually have character that reflects heaven. And God, we ask, we put up our hands right now, God, while we've been speaking, there's areas where we've all felt uncomfortable talking about. Areas where we know that we could be more faithful. Areas that we know that we could be more committed. Areas that we know, Father, that we need more long-suffering. So right now, before anyone gets into striving, we ask for grace. Grace that empowers us to walk in faithfulness and grace that empowers us to be true to our covenants. In Jesus' name, I ask Jesus that you would cause us to walk like you and have character like you. In the name of Jesus, amen.